Welcome back to Calling the Audible. This is Iggy Magnets. It is week three. Again, part two of week three. Don't forget uh, of this week's show. Uh, as we have now concluded week three of FPF, uh, winter season 2024. And we are now headed into week four starting Saturday, uh, January 27th. Of course, the biggest improvement here, got a professional microphone, so apparently I sound much better. Heard myself a little bit. It does definitely sound uh, much better. So the uh, the quality of the show, uh, let's say, is going to be improving uh, in the coming weeks as uh, we know the the uh, the struggles of the, the audio from week one have already much improved here into, uh, into week three. Uh, so on today's show, we are going to be covering, uh, again, all the divisions that Mo didn't get to on uh, the Tuesday episode, which airs on Wednesday. Uh, so that means tonight we're going to be covering divisions one, two, division six, and the co-ed trio, co-ed one, two, and three. So uh, we're going to be starting tonight with co-ed three with Zachary Alberts Gill, not Albert Gills as Mo likes to call him. Uh, we are going to then move on to uh, co-ed one and co-ed two, get Laurie's thoughts on uh, those two uh, divisions as they carry now on into week number four. Uh, we're going to have Raph Morelli, uh, our writer for division one and two he's gonna we're gonna be talking division two with him uh we're gonna bring back dan lazara get his thoughts on division one uh everything that went down in week three and we'll wrap up the show with division six uh and brent bodkin your article writer for division six so a jam-packed show here uh, a lot of action and a lot of uh highlights to go through so uh we're going to get started, uh, like I said, um, with uh, Coed 3, but just the some highlights first um, about some news and notes. Sorry, the highlights of the news and notes um, for uh, the league uh, as we enter, like I said, week four. Uh, so picture week. Of course, we're still taking your team pictures if you have not had one, uh, even if you you thought your scorekeeper uh, took one. If another scorekeeper asks you, "Hey, look, uh, I've been asked to take your team picture," uh, and 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 you you think you know uh, last week we 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 got one. What happened? We got one taken last week. Very likely that it came out blurry or just uh, got lost in translation somewhere. So. Uh, just be be kind to your scorekeepers. Take the 15 seconds that it takes to set up and uh, and take your better team picture or if it's uh, not already your your first. Um, the uniform rule, of course, Mo went over it uh, in depth. Um, but if you see in your stats uh, that your uh, or in your game score that your stats are not there, it's one of two things. It's because either you were not wearing the same color jersey as your teammates, or you were wearing an illegal number, something that was not uh, up to up to snuff, uh, so to speak. So that means your number was either taped or markered on. Uh, or your color of your jersey was not the same as your teammates. So uh, remember, if you want the game played, if you want the stats, uh, you definitely need a proper, proper jersey as the uniform uh, protocol is in full effect. Of course, Leo here is going to be policing uh, your uniforms and, uh, and letting your scorekeepers know. 
All right, Leo. Yeah, time to get down. Um, new thing here was new for some of you. Injuries. All right, so FPF does have an injury reserve rule. And that rules actually uh, can be split into two different categories. So if you have an injury uh, or someone injured on your team, uh, and it is a serious injury, serious enough that you have a doctor's note, okay? And you will be playing later on in the season and want to make sure that you have enough games played to be playoff eligible. But maybe you're only going to be coming back on the fields as of week eight or week nine or game eight and game nine of your uh, of your regular season. If you are injured now, submit the medical form, the doctor's note to uh, FPF's uh, contact page or so their the email info at flagplusfootball.com. You can get your games played for the again the doctor's note should have a timeline of how long you would be out for. So for all those games that you would be miss uh, that you'd be missing from your team's schedule, we can get you those games played so that when you are ready to come back onto the field, uh, that you would have already five or six games played under your profile so that when you're playing in game eight, nine, and 10 of your regular season, which would only be three that you actually physically showed up and played for, you actually have seven or eight games played uh, on on your resume. So that would make you playoff eligible. That's the first part of the uh, injury rule. The second part of the injury rule is if you played during the season, you played five, six, seven games, maybe even less than uh, less than that, right? Three or four. If you get injured during the season, it's possible. And again, serious injury where you have a, a doctor medical note serious enough uh, to sideline you, you can transfer the three, four, five, six games played, whatever the number is, you can transfer those games played to another player, okay, so that they could be playoff eligible in your place. So again, all those IR rules are in uh, the rules and roster uh, documents that are available on the uh, Flag Plus website. So I just brought those up uh, just because already uh, it's possible to uh, to get your games played if you are injured now or if you know that comes up later on during the season where one of your teammates gets injured. You know the there is a protocol in place uh, for that. Uh, again. Another uh, quick update here, the roster verification tool. Uh, please use that if you are bringing in one or two subs onto your team uh, to make sure that you are uh, cap compliant, uh, both in terms of the team cap and the quarterback cap. So always use that tool. It's a nifty one uh, just to save you the administrative hassle of a forfeit. Um and then again, our flag belts, uh, the old white ones, $5 and very, very limited supply. The new green camo ones, those go for $10. Uh, so go see your scorekeeper if you're still missing or if you have a sub, a new player uh, coming to join uh, your team for that game. All right, enough of the announcements. Uh, I see we have lined up here. So uh, Nightingale, if you can uh, check him in very soon. We uh, we do have Zachary Albertsgill here going to talk co-ed three with us. Uh, Zach, welcome to the show. Howdy doody. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Oh, um, Ooh, you okay there? <laughs> we're good, we're good. I'm never, I'm never sure, never sure. My headphones always suck. 
Yeah, I, I, I can hear you just enough. Uh, I'm not sure if you hear me and the, 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 the sound of my audio is better than uh, what you've heard. Uh, from, there you go. Perfect. I got the A-OK from Zach. So, uh, Zach, uh, again, welcome to the show. Um, just, to, uh, just to start off, uh, Zach, what are, your, what are some of your general impressions? Has anything stood out to you in Coed 3? I know I'm going a little off script here, but uh, I just wanted to uh, just get your sense of Coed 3. Is anything standing out to you in, in particular? Yeah, well, actually, I'm just finishing up or hopefully finishing up tonight the, uh, the Coed 3 article. Uh, and I was just actually looking at just the disparity, the difference of number of games played. You've got a bunch of teams with three games played. You've got a couple of teams with one game played. Uh, and you got to keep talking about these bye weeks coming up in weird weeks and in weird segments. And just kind of like, yeah, block party. And at least we tried our, our you know, undefeated in two, three games. But like, who's to say Agredu and Bandit can't also be undefeated? at three games but we're not going to know for like four weeks you know like yeah yeah okay yeah so yeah definitely the schedule uh a little strange for the for some teams you know that that are feeling a little rusty uh i'm, I'm definitely a victim of that uh you know i play on four teams and i didn't play a single game in week two and uh, only played one or two games in uh in week three so definitely feeling the uh the, that side of it, uh, the teams that are not getting enough reps. Um, but uh, Zach, you bring up Block Party, um, uh, and and I'm curious: are are you surprised that they are sitting at three and zero right now? Yeah, to be honest, a little bit. I, I I think I I didn't have them winning the first couple of games they did. Now I'm kind of bought in. Um, but I'm I'm kind of shocked that they're the top undefeated team of this division. I'm. I think when I faced them the first time uh, last, like two seasons ago or whatever, they went 0-10. Uh, so to see them now, like, living it up, it's awesome. So, you know, looking at their schedule uh, as we bring it up here, um, you see their first loss coming. So if uh, we scroll down, they have Flamingos oh, they're next, Flamingos. Uh, Eclipse, and Agridu. Listen, we were just talking about, I was just saying, how you do? I played them in our first game. Uh, they put up a uh -huh. lot of points. They got a really good QB. I like him. He's a runner. He's going to make me work for it in the playoffs. Um, yeah. But really, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I looked at the wrong page. Uh, really, I'm looking their first loss maybe coming in at uh, Eclipse. Uh, and if they don't, okay. I think they're going to win until they hit Michael Scott's tots because, you know, uh, I got to vote on my team when I have the chance. But, yeah, I, I think if they don't lose against Eclipse, I'm not sure that Agadu is going to be able to stop them. I think they have too big of a break right now. Okay. Uh, so you're looking at a late February, early March, uh, you know, uh, before they, they suffer their first defeat. Um, and ne next thing here, uh, Zach, as uh, – as you know, you brought up your team here, Michael Scott's thoughts. Uh, you, you played Thunder Villains uh, this past week. Uh, what were your impressions of, of Thunder Villains in general? And then uh, your impressions of Terry Babylon, uh, Terry Babylon's quarterback of Thunder Villains as, uh, as you were rushing him down. What were your thoughts on them? Uh, definitely a wicked team. Um, they're, they're the team that I thought was going to make it one of the undefeated teams. I think they are lost one early on, but, you know, that's, that's whatever. Uh, but, yeah, super awesome. Jeremy Thompson O'Reilly can go up there, hang out, puts up the numbers. 
Terry Babalus, you know, I, I spoke to him a little bit before the match, and I'm like, yo, man, I'm seeing another division that you're running a little bit. I'm seeing 20 yards here, 40 <laughs> yards here. Like, what's happening? Yeah. Do I got to worry about something? Uh, and he goes, no, I'm actually planning on getting the ball out in two seconds, so uh, don't worry about anything. And he did every single time. I think he ran for a first down once. I think I, I accidentally let him go, but or if not, like the point being is he puts up 200 plus yards a game he's going to win them all right he's averaging four or five touchdowns it's hard to stop him so so how far do you think this villains uh team can go this thunder villains team can go right are they a make the playoffs an early round exit team can they you know go two or three rounds deep and not make it to the finals or is this a team that you can see going to the finals where do you where do you see them finishing yeah, I mean, listen, I played against them, I think, uh, last spring in co-ed, and then I faced some version of Terry Babalus, I think, in the Fall Cup. Um, listen, he, they, they're a good team. I think they're definitely making it to the playoffs. They've got Petit Vitz, Dream Killers, Perfect Strangers, Flamingos. Like, I, I don't see them. I see them losing one, maybe two more games. They got crazy good, you know, ladies uh, that have depth to their squad. You got Roxanne Roy, Isabel Poirier, like... I don't, I don't see them losing much, and if they can keep the steam and not, you know, lose to uh, an unfortunate uh, roster uh, of last year, like I, I think they can go all the way. Okay, uh, you think they can go all the way? You think they can win it all, or they're going to the final? What's the uh, they're going to the finals. I don't like some of these teams surprise me. I think, I think they'll make it to the finals, but I, I really don't know. I think I have a top three, but I, I don't know who exactly is going to be the top final two. Like, at least we tried. If well, we can see, we, at least we, we tried Thunder Villains. <laughs> well, listen, I think at least we tried Thunder Villains, like, definitely contenders to being top two. I'd like to see a rematch uh, of those sorts again, like we saw it early on in the season. I, I think to see it again would be awesome. If Block Party keeps going undefeated, I absolutely vote them as the dark horse to just come out and beat everybody. Uh, so for me, it's really seeing how long until they lose. But if they don't, they're, I think they're sweeping the playoffs. And then I think I'd give okay. the second All to... Right. Uh, so, so... Yeah. Oh, you're All hearing right, a delay. Cool. That's why. Um, That's why. Yeah, there's a bit of a delay, but but all, but all good. Uh, and, and, and I'm picking up on something else, but all good here, uh, Zach. Um, so, Zach, as we know... In, in co-ed, and you mentioned it, that the Thunder Villains have, have a great set of female players. Uh, what usually distinguishes teams, and more than ever now, with the three male, three females on the field, um, that females play a huge role on the team's success. So uh, who are some, and then name one, of uh, the best female players out there uh, in co-ed three in your eyes? Yeah, so I've, I've been scrolling through, obviously I write the articles and I said uh, when I was talking to Mo earlier this week, people sometimes just become numbers as I scroll through them because I'm not good with names. You know what we're feeling now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, but a few of them obviously pop out at me, like I'm thinking, uh, first off, Naomi Fortin on Dream Killers QB, like she is hanging up there, is putting up 400 plus yards in three games, almost hitting the double digits of uh, touchdowns. Like, yeah, it might not be the completion percentage most people would like to see, but 
I like that she's up there and she's competing. Like, that's dangerous. Uh, I'm not going to try to butcher her last name by accident, uh, but Rekka from Blog Party, or is the E after the A, is I'm, I'm so sorry to butcher names. This is why you're all numbers. I'm sorry. Um, but she's awesome on offense. I see her pop up uh, on defense every once in a while. Like, I, she's good. She's good. She's a great staple. I like it a lot. Um and then I think there was a rusher I'd seen the other day, but like I told Mo, I'm I'm really terrible with the names. That was ah ah, I do know this one, Alexia Roy, Alexia Roy, because I was looking at Show Me Your oh. TDs and I was like, how are you guys at a hundred yes. points allowed? But you have a, a rusher that's put up five sacks. Like this is this is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was actually the uh, the scorekeeper for her first game. I believe she collected three or four sacks, and I'm like, my God, have you ever played? And when do you want to sign with the Kiss My franchise? Uh, because yes, because definitely uh, Alexia Roy, uh, definitely one of the names, one of the new newer faces in FPF that's uh, getting some early season shine here. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, Zach, uh, I definitely love uh, the Alexia Roy, the Rekka. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Uh, I'm not that scared. Rekka seven. Uh, oh no, I already screwed it up. So <laughs> never mind. I'm dropping it right there. Yeah, just uh, yeah. Sivas. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I I went for it again, but I'm just gonna drop it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely the uh, the uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan of the the names you shot out there, uh, Zach. We're gonna go and do. Uh, I, I'm not sure why Mo Mo's doing his own thing. I'm doing my own thing. Uh, like I'm gonna be you know keeping the tradition of uh, of games of the week. Uh, uh, so as we bring up the uh, the schedule here, and of course I do a certain thing that's uh, that. The, the cast is not uh, friendly to, but we're going to do games of the week just for co-ed three uh, with you, Zachary Albertsgill. Uh, so here we are in week four. Uh, our first matchup, we got Agri Du versus Half and Half. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I, I want to do the underdog special and give it to Half and Half after I, I think they found a QB. Like I think uh, coming out is going to be pretty good. Okay, you got Michael Scott's thoughts against Show Me Your TDs. I would abstain, but because you asked me so politely, I'm obviously going to pick my team. Okay, all right. That's uh, Saturday at 9 o'clock. You, next, you got Flamingos versus Block Party. Ooh, give me the Block Party, man. They're on a roll. All right, block block party going four and zero. Next, perfect strangers versus bandit. I think I've been underestimating bandit. I can't get a beat on either of them, so I'll take them to win this one. And yeah, don't I would go with that too. That's one. a good one. And then last game here uh, for COVID three in week four, we got Lipsitvit. Against Thunder Villains. Definitely, that was the crack of lightning and thunder. We're, we're going Thunder Villains after they whooped us. If you're going to get beat by the best, All right, you got to Thunder Villains. The 
All right, sounds good. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is Zachary Albert-Skill with his Games of the Week. Uh, Zach, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Uh, we do have Lori Willette lined up here. Uh, she'll be talking Color 1, Color 2 with us. But once again, thank you very much, Zachary Albert-Skill. All right. Yeah. So, Zach, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks again for uh, for coming on here. Uh, we do have Lori Willette lined up with us. She's uh, waiting on hold uh, in the FPF uh, portal here. Uh, she'll be talking uh, COVID one and COVID two with us. Uh, Going to get her thoughts on some of the better offenses in the uh, in COED two, uh, and then who what's uh, more surprising to her whether she thinks that the Team Rocket at three sitting at three and zero is more surprising than Team Meow Meow sitting winless at zero and two. I believe we have here Laurie Willette with us joining us. Thank you and hello. Hi Iggy. Hello Laurie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, and you? I, I I am good as well. How is the audio sound on your end uh, versus some previous weeks here? Is it sounding a little better? I'm hearing perfectly fine. Are you hearing me good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just wondering if it's uh, if it's better on your end uh, in terms of our audio. Okay, no, it's good on my end. Yes. Okay. I think, Ali Reza, we're getting a bit of a long delay. I'm not sure if that is something you can look at. Um, but we're going to be in conversation as we are here with Lori Willette. Uh, Lori, we're going to jump right in. Uh, we're going to go into uh, straight ahead into co-ed two. And yeah. uh, as you know, uh, a lot of FPF games are one uh, with you know, better offenses, better quarterbacks. So there are two teams right now that have 100 or more points for, and that's Y and Y and Balls Deep. Balls Deep, again, we, we spoke about this last week. It's a team that you faced and we're going to be facing in your first game of the week. So tell me, Laurie, who has the better offense? Is it Y and Y or Balls Deep? Uh, it's a pretty difficult question because both teams are good, but... If I have to compare both, I think Y and Y currently have a better offense. I think they're putting a lot more points on the scoreboard up to now. Uh, and see, I've seen balls deep in the previous season and, and I've seen how their offense is ex executing. And I think right now Y and Y is, ha has an advantage. They, they're well executing an offense and they're doing really well. So I think Y and Y up to now, it's them. All right, so uh, for and is it any particular reason? Is do you think maybe that their quarterback play is superior to balls deep? Because balls deep have some very dangerous athletes, as you as you've noticed, when they have the ball in their hands. Uh, Nathan Tran, I believe, is one of the names that comes to mind. They're very dangerous, very shifty, as you saw when you played against balls deep. So, is it the quarterback play, or is it overall the team scheme on and and uh, the depth of Y and Y? What is it exactly? Uh, I think it's because uh, Balls Deep, uh, his quarterback, he's hesitating a little bit more. 
So I think he's trying to buy more time and his his offense is a bit scrambling more for now. So I think that's the reason why I'm going with Y and Y, which I think they have good players and say Maya is uh, catching a lot of balls and she's doing well. So I think that's the main reason. There's a long delay. Yeah, it's it's coming in and out. It's a little choppy, but I I I but yeah, I mean I did hear there that Maya uh, definitely one of the leading receivers on the team. Uh, she's definitely part of much of their success uh, that they've seen so far. Um, Lori, we'll move on to uh, to get your thoughts about what's more surprising to you right now, whether it's the three and start of team rocket led by Guillaume, Guillaume Bellin at quarterback, or whether you, you feel that team meow meow is underachieving at O and two. What's, what's caught your attention more? Uh, I'm more surprised at team meow meow. I was expecting them to execute better, I think. And to the way Maxim Giroud was uh, talking about their team, to they seem like an excellent team, like with a lot of good receivers and they have Tam also. So I think I was expecting more from them. I'm not surprised about Team Rocket because they have excellent players. They have Clara Baudouin, which is a absolute stud. She's doing amazing. Uh, she should get the ball more often, though, because I've seen her play and she's an, uh, she's really good. So, no, I'm Meow Meow. Is a, I'm really surprised by their losses. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think with Team Rocket, uh, they've seen a, an upgrade in terms of quarterback, uh, just in terms of Guillaume Bellin's ability to have, have played so much, especially at higher level competition, right? Once you get a, a sense of playing with different quarterbacks and, and very high-end quarterbacks, listen to what they're calling in the huddle, uh, and then just having a good sense of the, the game overall, uh, that's an upgrade over their their quarterback uh, situation last year. And then like you mentioned, I, I think they might have one of the best female uh, cast of characters out there on the field with, like you said, Clara Baudouin, uh, I believe um, uh, Guillaume Bellin's uh, sister, um, Marilou Bella, uh, again, also on the team. Uh, definitely, their uh, their female content is uh, is some of the best out there in uh, in Coed Two. That's for sure. Um, we'll move on to uh, to Coed One, uh, Lori, uh, and I want to preview uh, a, a game that uh, that interests me. Maybe it interests you as well. Uh, and that's easy fun going up against the IG team. The IG team, uh, slow start to the season in terms of the number of games they played. They had their first game just last week, ending in a tie, I believe it was with, against Party Mix. So uh, their 0-0-1 IG team is. And easy fun, we spoke a little bit about them last week. They finally got their first victory uh, to avoid going 0-3 by beating zero sub. So how do you see this one going down? What are the match the key matchups here? Uh, is Easy Fun gonna go one and three or is IG team gonna pick up their first victory of the season? I really think it's gonna go it's gonna be the girls. The girls are gonna be a key it's going to be key for them to throw to them and for them to make plays because they both have awesome plays. The IG team has Constance Miller and 
Easy Fun has a couple girls also that make some good plays. So it's really up to the QBs to throw to their women. And I know IG team hasn't been using their women a lot in the past few seasons. So it's really hard for me to choose. But I think Easy Fun, in terms of using their women, they use them more. So I think Easy Fun might have a chance of getting their first win of the season. Yeah, so that would actually be their second win, right? Because they just got their uh, their first win over zero sub uh, yeah. this this past week. But yes, uh, so you think there that uh, IG team uh, need to you know do a, a better job of getting their females uh, part, uh, getting them the ball. Uh, definitely, uh, Constance Milan is is a threat uh, defensively. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, so you don't think that IG team is going to get their first victory just yet? Uh, and then just to wrap it up here before we get to your game picks games of the week um when i'm looking at the quarterback situation in co-ed one uh i look at the top two uh pairings right now uh are jeremy white and uh francois de laurier uh of party mix so laurie who do you think between those two uh is gonna end up with the most pass starts and then with those touchdowns uh, at the end of the year, is it going to be our, you know, both go to Jeremy White, both go to Francois? Are they going to split them? Uh, or is maybe there a third candidate out there that's going to lead in uh, in yards and touchdowns? Uh, it's a very difficult question because both QBs are amazing and they have amazing receivers that can make some plays. So, and they have similar stats up to now. So they have both 14 touchdowns and a couple yardage difference. But at the end of the season, I believe uh, Francois Delaurier is going to have the more yards and Jeremy the more touchdowns. So they're going to separate, separate it. Yeah. And, and, and is there a reason? Because I, I tend to agree with you, uh, but is, is there a, something in particular, maybe in Jeremy White or Francois Delaurier's game, that's going to give him the edge, uh, Francois Delaurier, that is, uh, in terms of the passing yards? Uh, well, I think Jeremy White for the touchdowns, he's going to have more because he has, I'd say, GC Ferland and another of his uh, key uh, male f- uh, players. And they're... They've been playing with Jeremy White for a while now, and so they they have a chemistry of a QB receiver connection. So I think they're able to make uh, touchdowns on the long run and make more plays. And in, I think in terms of the yardage for Francois Delaurier, he's able to distribute the ball, and so his players are they make some plays also. But yeah, that would be yeah. my. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And I think the key difference for me is that Jeremy White uh, will pick up the, the yards by running the ball and and uh, and through some rushing yards. So yeah. I, if you actually look, they actually do have the same number of total yards. Uh, Francois Delorier has more passing yards, but Jeremy White has about 90 running yard, rushing yards. So they actually do compare. I do think Jeremy White will end up with more... Uh, passing touchdowns like you say and Francois Delorier with uh, with more passing yards but definitely uh it's it's going to be interesting because even Maud Lacasse uh with 10 touchdowns after two games is another interesting name out there yeah. uh and, and of course you have Jeans Lee uh Christopher Vero myself and Dom Lafar all only having played one game so definitely a long season ahead of us but uh between those two I I think uh I think you're right uh, so, Lori, as we did last week, we're going to do it once again. Uh, we're going to do our game picks, games of the week uh, with you, uh, Lori Willette, here as we uh, as we kick 
start week four this coming Saturday. So uh, as we just bring up the schedule here, uh, week four, we got a lot more games. Uh, we'll start with co-ed two, Laurie. We have the IG team two against Tigres. Who's your winner there? Tigres. All right. Who's going to carry the boats against Team Rocket? Team Rocket once again. Okay, 4-0 and Team Rocket. You yeah. then have Canicule against Balls Deep. Uh, I believe Balls Deep is going to have it this, this week. Okay, you then have your team, Pass Whippin, playing against McNuggies. I can't choose since it's my team. <laughs> you can't pick it. Come on. You got it. You got it. When, when in doubt, pick McDonald's, right? Pick, pick uh, McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. You got to go with the McNuggets. <laughs> I love that. Uh, next, uh, a lot of Monday night games here. Uh, to wrap it up on Monday night, we got Ball Hard University against Kiss My Christmas Balls, an ex-team of yours. Yes, I actually believe uh, Kiss My Christmas Balls is going to have it. Okay. We got Bal Profond against Y&Y. &Y. Uh, y, y again. I think they could put uh, lots of uh, points on the scoreboard. And then to wrap up Co-Ed 2, we have Power Puff Girls against Lords of the Field. Uh, Lords of the Field, once again. Okay. Then we'll move over to Co-Ed 1. Uh, Kickstarting week where it's Easy Fun versus the IG team, the game we just previewed. Who's your winner? Uh, easy Fun. All right, easy fun for the win. Uh, next game, we got zero sub against Les Porcinettes. Uh, I think uh, Les Porcinettes. They have uh, good players on offense. Okay, so uh, zero sub Sarah Parker suffering their second defeat, according to Laurie Willette here. And then to wrap up, Coed 1, uh, Les Petits Fuck will face off against Kiss My End Zone. Uh, Kiss My End Zone. Yeah, some great players the, this season, so yeah. <laughs> Should definitely be a fun uh, fun battle as we spoke yeah. about Lips Fuck last week. The great ball distribution and the ever dangerous Dom Lafar on the run. Uh, Laurie Willette, thank you for the game picks. Thank you for uh, your sharing your thoughts here on calling the audible. Uh, do you have any last words for any shout outs that you have for anyone out there in the FPF world? Uh, not a shout out, but make sure to stay tuned on uh, Instagram uh, FPF page because uh, there's a lot more content coming up. Okay, awesome. Because uh, maybe sure, maybe you know, just wrap up your segment. Uh, maybe talking a little bit about that. Sounds like you're uh, you're involved a bit more with the Instagram page and Instagram content. Share share us a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about that with us. Yes, of course. Uh, I'm helping Chris Rivet film some content, uh, some quick reels. Uh, I help film with the for the female. Uh, a preview well female reel last weekend and uh, apparently a lot of you guys liked it so there's a lot more of that coming up uh, we're gonna do different things this season and more like quick and easy videos that you guys will like so for sure uh, stay up to that and look forward to those videos Okay, awesome. Great, great job with the Instagram content. Laurie Willette, thank you uh, and good luck with your article this week. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Thanks. That was uh, Laurie Willette uh, talking co-ed one, uh, talking co-ed two. Uh, and of course, 
and of course that's it uh our ig content has been uh if you've if you've been you know noticing uh it's a lot more engaging uh a lot more content that we're throwing out there of course we have uh you know our, our whole media team is really involved uh whether it's james dandria with his pictures that he's snagging at the field uh whether it's chris rive laurie willette uh, i believe jonathan shea uh manuel Arroy, they're all part of that uh, c riv uh chris crv media uh platform uh and and they they're obviously grabbing a lot of highlights we saw noah smallwood make a ridiculous you know tipped catch uh unfortunately called out of bounds uh and and and, you know i'm gonna just segue or sidestep here uh for about 30 seconds and it's about those missed calls right Obviously, I'm a player on the field, too. You never want to see, you know, a call go against you. But it's just the nature of the beast. Uh, Unfortunately, refing is all about sight lines and angles and being in the right spot. You know, sometimes it's very clear from a camera angle that it's it's clearly a touchdown and and obviously you want the referees to to get the and and, uh, and of course the referees want to get the the calls right uh all, all the time but you know if, just because we have a particular angle where it's pretty clear and obvious that he's inbounds it doesn't mean that that same clear angle and shot is the the sight line that the referee has on the opposite side of the field right so you have to always keep that in context and you know as, and again as much as it sucks as much as it pains us as players to have points taken off the board trust me it's happened against me you you have to be you know, in control of, of your emotions. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, we are playing, you know, flag football game, a game for kids. But uh, obviously, we love the game. We want to get the calls right as much as possible. Uh, so just my 30-second, one-minute uh, rant about that. Um, again. Okay, all right. So uh, we're just getting wind here uh, that uh, Division Two. I'll have to go solo for it as uh, uh, last second. Uh, Raph Morelli got a little bit tied up. Uh, thank you, Nightingale, for just letting me know there. Uh, so again, we're gonna go monologue style for Division Two. Um, so here, I you know, looking at Division Two, uh, I was looking at the standings and looking at uh, run it once. Uh, I had I happened to catch their game on Saturday because, uh, again, we do have afternoon shifts, 12 to 3 afternoon games uh, in the Loyola Dome on Saturday. Uh, very cold Loyola Dome, by the way. Uh, very chilly. Uh, so uh, suit up and dress up uh, warmly if you are playing at the Loyola Dome. Uh, run at once. They're now sitting at 2-1 and one atop of Division number 2. Uh you know, only a plus two point differential, 87 points for, 84, 85 points against. But this team, I'm not sure where to rank them, you know, today in week three. Why do I say that? Very impressive wins uh, to start 2-0. and And they got themselves, I believe it was to a 20 to nothing lead over Terror Squad on Saturday. And, you know, game was all in control by Run It Once and Jeff Rosenblatt. Uh, Terror Squad, three drives, three interceptions from Tan Villadeth. Uh, Manuel Larroi, uh, you know, taking two of those picks uh, and taking two of those possessions away from Terror Squad. Run It Once had this game in the bag. 
they they were in control. They couldn't be stopped. The defense was stopping everything that, that Tam and Terror Squad were throwing their way. And they just sort of played down to their competition. Or, or It was either that or a mix of that and not grabbing and seizing, you know, the, the, the moment of that game to really drive home a fourth and fifth and sixth score down, down their throats. Wh- whatever it was, maybe it was the afternoon. I don't know. They just didn't take control of that game. And, and man, if you don't do that, you teams in Division 2 are going to smell blood just like Terror Squad did with A.J. Gomes and his one-handed grab uh, for that extra point for two, which in the end, that was the difference in the game is what was those converts and, and the one from A.J. there. They, man, it's just run it once. You're, you're doing great. You have the the ability to become a one, two, maybe three seed, and and you just and I and I think they learned their lesson here with Terror Squad, and it's obviously better that a game like this happen uh, in week three of the season than for it to happen in in the, the round one of the playoffs, right? So hopefully, lesson learned for Run It Once and uh, the Jeff Rosenblatt crew, crew. Of course, Sanders Armand. You had a chance to win it on that Hail Mary. I thought you had it in your hands. In fact, you did have the ball in your hands. And then somewhere along the way, the ball was dropped. And come on, Sanders, you know me, you're my guy, but uh, you got to come up with that that clutch play like I've seen you uh, like I've seen you come up with in the past. So uh, definitely run it once, a team to watch out for. Hopefully they can uh, secure, uh, you know, three possession leads and make and turn those into victories. Uh so, uh, you know, I was also looking uh, at the uh, at the division standings here, and uh, and I see a lot of teams here at one and one, uh, notably the Stoics, Terror Squad, and Hashtag NR. Uh, and I'm curious about these teams. Uh, I'm curious, you know, who can distinguish themselves above the rest. And while Terror Squad, you know, I kind of want to say, you know, I, I was impressed with the comeback against Run It Once. Man, they they have struggled off, uh, you know, uh, out of the gates here. Tam Villadeth with the, the weapons and the roster around him, it's not looking great so far. He He's thrown more picks, I believe, than, inter- than touchdowns. And that's not a recipe for success. Uh, the Stoics. They had a, you know, again, that's one of the teams they beat was Terror Squad uh, to start 1-0. They lost their, you know, highly anticipated matchup, uh, according to Chris Rive. He was very much looking forward to playing Silent Ticklers, a team that took them out in the Division Three playoffs last year. Uh, you know, wanted to see how his team stacks against the Silent Ticklers. And, you know, while the first drive for the Stoics ended in, in a pick by uh, Dan Mancini, uh, the Stoics were in that game. Uh, you know, despite the early turnover, uh, Chris Rive was right there. There was one, however, one particular and key play, and Chris will will admit it as well. He admitted it on, on the Saturday, was Tony Vo missing a critical sack on fourth down. It would have been a turnover on downs with the ball, you know, with almost within red zone, uh, striking distance of red zone for the Stoics. Instead, Jordan Panetta is able to escape the rush of Tony Vo 
able to hit Dan Mancini, you know, about 12 yards downfield. A couple missed flags later, Mancini's gone down the down the pipe. Uh, and, and what would have been a turnover on downs, you know, again, setting up the Stoics for a red zone opportunity to come back in the game and make it, uh, you know, probably a one-point or tie game turns into a 13-point swing for Dan Mancini as he entered the uh, the, the the end zone, found the end zone. So definitely it's it's one play uh, that can make all the difference. Uh, so, you know, can that one play, you know, hurt the Stoics? Probably not. I think that team is uh, is going to come out strong. Uh, and hashtag NR, they, you know, they've, they're very high risk, high reward. Adam Sinagra now throwing the ball for hashtag NR with a four touchdown. Yes, but four interception performance. So uh, of those three, give me the Stoics. I'm hearing from Nightingale that Raphael Morelli is actually on with us. Uh, Raph, are you there? No, so we're having a little uh, technical difficulty with Raf. Uh, if he is on the line, uh, we will get Raf Morelli's perspective on uh, on Division Two. Um, but you know, just as we get that wrinkled out, uh, we will we'll move on to topics here. Uh, and I, I was gonna ask Raf, Raf, and if uh, if we can get Raf uh, on the on the air here with us, uh, we'll get his perspective on. Uh, new quarterbacks that are throwing uh, in Division Two. Uh, Nightingale, do we have an update for with uh, Raf Morelli here? All right, so some audio problems. Not a problem. Not a problem. So, so we're going. Uh, new quarterbacks that are throwing in division two. So uh, for the first time, so division two wild craziness, uh, you know, if, if you're a quarterback, that is uh, to be wanting to throw in this division, uh, definitely no one's a first time quarterback, um, but there are some uh, first time division two quarterbacks here. So I'm thinking the Quade Johnson's, the Chris Reves, the, uh, the Ben McMahon's of the world. So, uh, I was going to get Raph's perspective, but I guess I'll ask it for myself, uh, that if there's a game situation where your team is down six points uh, and you need uh, five, there, there are five plays remaining in the game, which of the, uh, between Quay Johnson, Chris Rive, and Ben McMahon, would you want driving your team, needing the six points and needing the extra point one or two, but needing either of them for the victory. Um, and, you know, I like what Quaid's done, uh, you know, throwing in Division Two and Division Three. He's going to get a lot of experience uh, throwing on two teams uh, where defenses are become much more aggressive uh, than, say, Division Four. Um, but I just think that Chris Rebe and Ben McMahon have been playing the position longer. They've accumulated more experience uh, under their belts, a lot more FPF uh, pedigree and defenses. You know, they've seen a lot more defensive schemes is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, and so between those two, though, I think I'm going to I would go with Chris Rebe. Uh I've, you know, in whether it's games of the weeks that Eagle has presented to me or, you know, writing division articles, 
I've always picked against. I've noticed in my own picks, I pick against Chris Rive. And every time I pick against Chris Rive, he comes out victorious. And there's something different about that C-Riv playoff, uh, that playoff quarterback that comes out in him. Uh, look, he's twitchy with the ball. He makes rushers twitch. And, uh, and, and sometimes it's that half a second twitch that you make a DB, uh, you know, turn their hips or, or, or turn their shoulders and lean in uh, to try and make a play on the ball, that he, he will, uh, he, he'll get you. And, and I've noticed he's incorporated the run. And obviously, between him and Ben McMahon, the, the better of the runners uh, is no doubt Ben McMahon. He'll, Chris would admit that himself. But Chris Rivet's become a very methodical, patient, and twitchy, let's say, quarterback where, uh, where give him even three to four plays and I, I'd give the odds of scoring a touchdown with three plays, maybe 65%. With four plays, let's go 80 to 85. But with five plays, I'm going with like a 95% chance that Chris Rive is going to win that game for you. And then he's, you know, if, if scoring a touchdown will tie you the game in this scenario. Chris Rive's extra point for one, very solid, uh, great play caller for for extra point one convert plays uh so give me chris Rive uh for some of the newer division two quarterbacks making uh making the jump uh i i, I would uh i would definitely give chris Rive the nod uh and the ball uh, to my offense if i needed the a score late in the game uh so since we don't have raf morelli on with us um I'll, uh, you know what? I'll bring up the the games of the week myself. Uh, will get all, uh, you know, the the matchups set for week four. Get thoughts on them as a uh, week skill beast playing against the very Quay Johnson and Dirty Birds Plus. I really love what Dirty Birds Plus have been doing. They're on a hot on a heater uh, as of late. Uh, Quay Johnson's uh, throwing a lot more touchdowns than interceptions than uh, games one and early weeks of the season. Give me Dirty Birds Plus uh, against skilled bees. Got Mangoose against Poseidon's Kiss. This one, super interesting matchup. I believe these two teams played each other in the Division C playoffs. Poseidon's Kiss obviously going all the way. Uh, I'm going to go PK with this one. Uh, You know, just getting one. uh, I'm going to go with like a three-point victory for Poseidon's Kiss. We then have Bless Up playing two and a half Dan's 2HD. Uh, 2HD, always a tricky team, uh, but Stephen Harapersad has this team rolling. Uh, give me bless up in that one. And then wrapping up Division 2 for the week, you got the Cap Friendly Braves playing against Ambush. Uh, this is this one too is a tricky one. Ambush got the better of the Cap Friendly Braves last year, but uh, that was with uh, James Drysdale not there, uh, I believe, in that game. Uh, I, I, I'm going to go Cat Friendly Braves with this one, but I really like what, what Ambush can do. I think they can go toe-to-toe offensively against Cat Friendly Bra- Braves, but I just think the Bra- uh, the CFB defense is just going to get one more stop than what the Ambush defense can get. So give me uh, the CFB Cat Friendly Braves in that one. Uh, so that being said... Uh, that wraps up our Division Two coverage. Uh, we're gonna see 
if Nightingale can uh, get our contact Dan Lazara here a little early, as uh, as we were gonna as we were gonna have Dan Lazara uh, join us for Division One coverage at around eight fifteen. Of course, now it is seven fifty two, so a little early. Uh, Nightingale making the calls, producing from uh, the sidelines, as it were. Uh, hopefully, we can get Dan Lazara here a little early. As uh, as unfortunately, uh, Raf Morelli did join us. Uh, I did see him appearing. Uh, we just had some audio and technical difficulties on his end. Uh, I, I appreciate the effort from Raf. As uh, as I believe he is driving uh, was in the uh, in the Laurentians or somewhere up north, uh, and maybe making his uh, heading his way back down to Montreal uh, for Week Four as uh, Week Four kickstarts. Uh, Saturday, January 27th. Uh, we're, we're already approaching uh, the, the end of February, the beginning of, uh, or sorry, the end of January, beginning of February. As, of course, as we have the Super Bowl uh, looming closer. Uh, the, I guess the Pro Bowl is next week for for those who care. Uh, me and some of the guys actually in the FPF league: uh, Marvin Steinberg, Felix Boutet, uh, Luca Canville, uh, Charles Vero. Will actually uh, just a quick shout out to us because why not? It's my podcast here uh, with no guest currently on. Um, we're actually going to an NFL flag tournament in Orlando. Uh, they gave us also some tickets to see the Pro Bowl. Uh, yay! Um, Charles, uh, Gab Charles, uh, Dab Champagne, also part of the team as well. Uh, Alex Blais, uh, another nod to them. Uh, so that's a team that we're going to be traveling to uh, Orlando, playing in an NFL flag tournament. Uh, maybe, maybe sees another one or two uh, FPF teams. I don't think so. I didn't see the complete list just yet, but uh, uh, definitely the Pro Bowl coming up, Super Bowl coming up. Uh, the Super Bowl, of course, is where a lot of FPF games are not played on the Sunday. Uh, though, be note for scheduling here, uh, Saturday, the games will take place. Uh, and even our Sunday afternoon games, 12 to 3, are still on. And our three to six shift in Laval uh, will be shortened to three to five. So uh, definitely there are going to be some uh, games during the Super Bowl. uh, As I bought enough time here uh, to shift over to Division One, as we do have Dan Lazara lined up here, ready to go. Uh, Dan, welcome to the show. As maybe he doesn't hear me, uh, Ali Reza, you're going to have to. Yeah, perfect. Not a problem. Uh, so as we uh, as we get down here in the waiting room, uh, we're going to be talking with Dan uh, about the week that was in Division One. We had a, a great matchup between Flag Moalsac and um, we had uh, Dan Lazaro's thoughts on Guillaume Paquette, uh, where he ranks and where uh, Dan Lazaro thinks he ranks in terms of the better receivers in Division One, as well as uh, as a two-way player. We'll get hit Dan Lazaro's thoughts there. Uh, and then we'll get uh, a little breakdown of Fred Dupuis and his, uh, his party crash as they took a loss uh, to the All-Stars. Daniel, Dan Lazara, welcome to the show. 
Thank you very much for having me, Mr. Iggy. I appreciate you. And we had a jam-packed week of FPF and Division 1 filled with outstanding performances, a.k.a. Mr. Leon Paquette. Not one, not two, not three, not four, five. We got five touchdowns. Wow, I'm here to talk about it. Let's do it. Let's delve right in. All right, let's let's jump right in to that Flagmal Sack Braves game. Uh, it was a really tight, really interesting game here, Dan. And I want I want your thoughts, but let's set up uh, for the viewers here who didn't catch it, uh, kind of the context for that game. So, uh, Braves were up in the second half by two possessions on two different occasions with uh you know you look at the score line at the end and you see flag Sack come away with a one-point victory you you must think oh well obviously they converted on their onside not the case down six points flag Sack go for the onside after their first touchdown of the second half to make it a six-point gap and go for the onside there. They miss it. But then late in the game, get a touchdown, get an interception from Sam Nadeau-Pius off Joe Mayer, and then get a late score with a one-point convert to take the 49-48 edge. So, Dan Lazara, talk to us about you know the, your thoughts on that game. Talk to us about maybe the strategy of going for the onside so early in the second half. Uh, w- would you have you know gone for it that early? Would you have waited another drive or two, or was that the right move? So um, this game had a lot of roller coaster of emotions throughout the entire game. I do believe that it was more of a thought like how did the Braves blow this game you know what I mean like like you said like you mentioned they, they had For two sure. times that they had a two possession lead a two score lead on them and you think that the ultimate Braves they, they're going to close that series up for you you know what I mean but th- that late pick by Joe oh my goodness that that just turns the tides completely but what's even crazier I wish I was at this game because honestly the fact that they came down, drove down the field after that pick, scored the touchdown, tie game, last play of the game, though there's actually one more play they missed the Hail Mary, but they got that extra point needed to win this game, man. Like, incredible, you know? And shout out to my boy Isaiah Allard, you know? Like, I saw that the one position that they got that stop on flag one, he got that sack. He's going to make sure that he make, gets that defense on, uh, on track to, to get where they want to be, you know, in this league, so in this division, sorry. So, I really think that, honestly speaking, it was very, very shocking to see the Braves blow this game, but kudos to Flagmois. They didn't give up on this game. Even going for the onside kick early, I kind of like the gutsiness out of it. I personally would have liked to like let my defense play out of it maybe a bit more, see if I really need that onside kick later on, but kudos to them. They got rid of it right away. They wanted to see where their head was at. Let's see the mentality that we got to go, whether we're going to get it, whether we're not going to get it. Do we play more aggressive on defense? You know, They made all these adjustments early on and forced Joe Maher to make that pick. The rest is history, man. What a performance. I can't believe it. Guillaume Paquet, five touchdowns. This guy is incredible. I, I've heard about him throughout so many years. Last a couple of, like maybe like last two seasons, I've been playing against him. This guy has burners, man. You would think that he's done with UDM and he's done playing flag. I mean, he's done playing tackle football. Forget it. This guy probably wakes up and runs track every morning. It doesn't make sense. I was just burning guys in FPM, guys that have been playing all, all like it doesn't make sense, Iggy, you know? So kudos to them. Honestly, we see that Alex, we were talking about it last week, how he was injured. We weren't sure if he was going to be back. He comes back with an outstanding performance yet again, puts his team on his back. 
Uh, right now, they have the best wide receiver core in the league. They're one and two bunch uh, between uh, San and uh, Guillaume is just at the top of the chain when it comes to touchdowns on the season. So, Flagmo is a dangerous team, man. They're up and coming, and they're super dangerous. They're ready to play. Oh, absolutely, definitely. And and just a clarification, our sources here and FPF Studios did uh, did notice that Alex Nadeau-Pius did throw in that game against the Jamesons. They did actually limit him to three touchdowns. So the Jameson defense, just to give them a shout out from last week, definitely did uh, did a number on Flagmal Sack. But as you were saying, Guillaume Paquette, what an incredible performance, 10 receptions on 10 targets, 114 yards, five TDs, just put in a whooping on the Braves. So that's the question naturally comes down is where does this guy rank as an offensive wide receiver and, and as a two-way player? Are we talking about like a top three player in FPF here? I mean, at this point, how can you argue elsewhere? Like he's putting up the numbers to provide it. It's been a couple of seasons now that he's showing up and showing out. You know, I just think that there's some really good talent out there in FPF. I know I'm going to continue mentioning my boy, AJ. He's there up there. You know what I mean? You've got a lot of great receivers. But, you know, and it, and because it, it was, but Party Crashers and Fred Dupree, three interceptions in that game. And Kevin Wyeth uh, didn't throw a single one. So, you know, what do, what do you make of this game here? Uh, what does it say more about Party Crashers? What, what does it tell you uh, about All-Stars? Are they vulnerable? Is it, you know, is it their, their season for someone to take a chink out of their armor? What's, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this game? So I'm gonna play devil's advocate here. I'm gonna give you my both perspectives. Okay, first party crashers. Um, yes, he did throw three picks, Fred, but it just goes to show how like high powered that offense could actually be. You know, you got Ezekiel, you got Emil, you got a couple of them studs on this team. You know, and the fact that they were able to get those amount of turnovers and still keep it a one possession game says a lot about the way their team played. You know, they they're hungry guys. You know, and it just goes to show you take away those three picks, they probably win the game because Kevin Wine went clean. You yeah, know what I mean, that's, but that's that's the thing, yeah. But 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 playing devil's advocate over here, my friend. Uh, Kevin White is Kevin White. He's gonna do what Kevin White does, and that means that yes, there might be chaos going on, 
but there's Ben, but don't break with this all-star team. You know, they're, they're, they're very, very consistent on what they do. Keyshawn even came back and he got a pick six on these guys, you know, like good for him. Yeah. He's, he's still showing yeah. out, you know, like it's been a couple of seasons. He's on and off the roster, but he, he, he's the Ray Lewis of that defense. Let me tell you something. He brings that energy for them. <laughs> he's, he's making sure everyone's juiced up and ready to go. You know, you, you want that energy on the flag football field, you know, but just to say like when they, when it, when it came time to close out the game, you know, Padron first down. Wave that white flag, it's game over, you know what I mean? So, yes, it came close, but the All-Stars, bend but don't break mentality. They got away with the win. I'm not really worried about the All-Stars. They probably thought the game was in their hands after those three interceptions. They probably played a bit, like, slacked-off laziness sort of thing. But when it come, when push comes to shove, they locked in, they, got, they did what they needed to do, and they got the win. Uh, and, and then, uh, Dan, sorry to do this to you. Maybe we're going to go a little off script, but... You know, was there anything that off the top of your head, something that, uh, you know, a storyline that's developing or maybe, uh, you know, we, we saw the outstanding performance of Guillaume Paquette, five touchdowns. Uh, so we already mentioned that. Is there something that, you know, that's catching your attention? Uh, is there a team, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Royaume Luminan last week as a team to watch out for in Division One. Do you have any other uh, Tony Romo-like uh, predictions for us here or something that cat- caught your eye? So I'm glad you asked that, and I appreciate you going off script asking this question because I don't mind it at all. I actually do have another team. My friend, I promise you, this Jameson team is dangerous, okay? They're coming in. They're making sure that they have all the athletes from top one, position one to position five on defense, and Jeff Rosenblatt is slinging it out there. They're a tough team to beat. Everyone is sleeping on this team, but don't get me wrong, that defense is legit. I had a conversation with my, my friend James O'Hane on that team, and he was telling me he thinks it's the best team that he's ever played on in D1. Kind of hurt my heart a bit. I play with you, James, but it's fine. Don't worry. Nothing personal. It's cool. Don't worry about it. I won't slash your tires or anything. Don't worry about that. However, that says a lot. A lot of talent. Don't go, <laughs> don't go into specifics, Dan. No specifics. Yeah. <laughs> no, but honestly, uh, you got the silent ticklers coming together and getting those two interceptions needed on defense. Dan Mancini and uh, Jordan Panetta last weekend. They're going to make sure that they're on point every single game on defense and their their communication is great. I mean, there's a lot of good athletes, but there's a lot of team players on that team. So I'm pretty sure that defense is meshing really well and it's coming together and it's nice to see because if there's one thing I know about the Jamesons, it's the fact that if you give Jeff that comfortable defense that he needs and he's going to get that one stop early or whatever, make it tough on the other team, he's getting that confidence. He's going to be like, oh, shit, we could still do this, boys. Let's go out. Let's rally. Like Even if it's against Ken White, even if it's against the Braves, you know, this guy's going to make sure that like if he's comfortable out there he's a dangerous man so watch out for this jameson's team honestly they're gonna be impressive down the road and shout out to beating the moons like i thought like i predicted i told you this jameson team uh, i I can't stress it enough man they're filled with firepower from top to bottom yeah i definitely agree sorry one more thing one more thing one more thing shout out breeze go go four touchdowns my man i see that i see that this guy's going off. He's a, he's a stud also in this league. When I mentioned the top receivers, definitely forgot to mention his name. He's one of the up-and-coming superstars in this league. Go ahead, oh, ab- Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. Uh, and and like you said with the, the defense, that game against the Maroons was back and forth. Maybe not a barn burner shootout, you know, putting up 60 points on each side. But each team was going score for score. And you're right, that Jordan Panetta, apparently a one-handed pick or something along those lines back of the end zone or, or tap the toe tap back of the end zone, as described by Manu Alarua. Uh, definitely that, that defense. And you're right, when 
then you give a quarterback like uh, like Jeff Rosenblatt uh, the it, it that it gives him that extra confidence and and, and it and the mindset is no longer Jeff Rosenblatt against Kevin Wyeth. It's Kevin Wyeth against my defense. And my defense, like you said, when it's that good, and that's where the confidence stems from, and, and it translates to an even better offense. So Jamison's, yes, Jamison's sitting at 2-0, and number one seed right now in Division One. Definitely agree with you there, Dan. Uh, Dan, we're going to end the segment here, as we did last week, with our games of the week. Uh, of course... Week four starting on Saturday. Uh, the first games uh, for Division One Week Four, we have Royam Luminar against Party Crashers. Who you got? So Party Crashers coming off a tough loss versus uh, Kevin White, of course. I do think that they'll be coming out with some energy in order to bounce back. There's going to be a lot of chirping in this game. I have a feeling, but I do believe that Justin Bree is going to come out victorious in this game. Give me Royal Luminar. Okay, I like it. Uh, second game of three here, we have Blessed against All-Stars. Can Steven Harapersad pull off the upset? So, um, I want to go with this upset. I really do, because I do feel like they're... <laughs> the, the, I feel like the All-Stars, they're at this point where they kind of have this, like, we know we're better than you attitude, and I like it because it's confidence, you know what I mean? But they do play, like, very off. I'm so I'm going to be intrigued to see how they are because I know that Harpsaw loves to throw his one-yard hooks and make his receivers dance, which I love that a lot. So we're going to see how it plays out. If they're going to play tight, then he's going to hit you with his double move. I'm really intrigued to see how it's going to go, but at the end of the day, I don't believe that they have enough firepower to stop Kevin, and it's going to be the convert game, I think, in this game. I don't think they're going to be much sauce, but I do believe it's going to come down to the converts. Give me the all-stars on the edge on this one. All right, and then wrapping up Division One, we got the ATH squad facing off against Flagmoal Sac. Oh, I mean, this ATH squad, I do believe that they could cause some damage just because of the fact that if Gensley starts running around and making plays, it's going to cause some problems to them. And they do have the athletes to compete with Flagmoa. So it's going to be tighter than people expect. But I do believe that Flagmoa is just so in sync right now that they're able to, like, 10 for 10? That doesn't happen, man, in, in like, targets to reception. <laughs> that's, that's, that, 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 that's not normal. That's not normal, you know what I mean? Like, at least throw an incomplete, one, just one, you know? So I yeah, do yeah. feel like they're way too in sync right now. Give me Flagmoa. Yeah, it will be interesting though. They 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 haven't seen a quarterback like Jeans Lee running around in the backfield, so it's going to be a bit of a change of pace and how fast their their defense can quickly adapt. I'm going to be interested in seeing that that one as well, Daniel. Thank you for joining the show. Once again, uh, our uh, star of the show here, uh, Dan Lazara. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week for sure. Thanks for having me on, Iggy, and I look forward to an awesome week of FPF. See you guys next week. Have a good one. All right. Good night, Dan. All right, Dan Lazara, thanks again uh, for joining us here. Uh, Nightingale, just a quick uh, update for you. I don't believe, uh, given the time constraint that we have right now, that we're going to be able to get Brent Bodkin on the line. Uh, he's available at 8.30. It's currently 8.11. So uh, a little, uh, you know, script here, uh, you know, kind of off the scenes uh, preparing here. So, yes, we're going to have to go another monologue segment uh 
with yours truly, Iggy Magnus, for Division Six. So just give uh, Brent that heads up that uh, just the schedule just didn't work out. The timing didn't work out. Uh, we you know we had an even spread, a nice smooth flow from all of our uh, from all of our contributors. Um, and so Division Six, uh, you'll have to uh, to listen to me and and my thoughts uh, about Division Six this week. So. As I was looking in uh, in Division Six, uh, looking at the uh, the, the 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 stats, uh, you know, we all we all love the stats. That's what we all uh, what we're here for, and and uh, and what we love. Uh, of course, we love winning as well. Uh, I look at the receiver stats, and I'm always intrigued to see if there are any standouts uh, early in the season for. Uh, receiver of the year and the one name that definitely stands out above the rest is Jonathan Botazzi this guy 323 yards in three FPF games his first three FPF career games eight touchdowns 22 receptions so the guy currently with the triple crown uh just like Guillaume Paquette division one Jonathan Botazzi your triple crown leader uh in division six I wonder if he can keep up this pace. He's catching uh, 22 balls out of 33 uh, that were thrown his way. Uh, you know, averaging 105 yards or so per game uh, with about, what is that, two and a half, three, you know, just a little shy under three touchdowns a game. This guy is some serious damage. Uh, teams that are facing off against Shamadi Schultz are going to have to watch out for number 84 Jonathan Botazzi as he right now is your front runner for receiver of the year now there are some receivers behind him that I think can make a run uh, for uh, you know to, to, to be in, in contention and be uh, right behind Jonathan Botazzi uh, when it comes to you know to week 13 week 14 uh so i'm thinking of guys like noah smallwood of uh what you do in step bros uh he has five touchdowns right now 159 yards on nine receptions so uh the home run hitter with you know averaging 17 yards uh per reception i think of philip barros of uh, les super uh navette this guy playing with jeremy white in with easy fun in co-ed one uh is getting extended reps uh and now playing in division six uh where you see a large disparity between the co-ed one defenses and the division six defenses i think this guy every single game he steps out there has the potential to go off for 130 yards three touchdowns five six seven eight receptions even uh usually le super uh, super turbo navette are more known for you know, good ball distribution, uh, though it is not Guillaume Boulanger uh, under center. They have a new quarterback with them. So how much is he going to continue using Philippe Barros? How much are defenses going to be paying attention to him, putting their best shutdown corner? Uh, is there a shutdown corner that can stop, you know, all these guys, Barros, Smallwood, Botazzi? Uh, definitely some of the things that we're going to be interested in, in looking out for in future weeks and coming back, circling back on these conversations. Uh, so those are just some three names uh, for receiver of the year that you should be looking out for if you're playing uh, in Division 6. Um, 
then you know, looking at the standings, uh, uh, we have a, a a boatload of teams sitting at two and one. Uh, you have mutation, no fly zone, cheat squad. Uh, you have the Royals sitting at two and one. Uh, what you doing, step bros, and and the demons. So, all these teams sitting at two and one, and I wonder, you know. Who's most likely to rise above all the rest and be a true contender? And I, I'm wondering, you know, which team is, you know, sitting pretty right now at two and one, but is going to fall through the cracks. Maybe not fall so far down that they're going to miss the playoffs, uh, but maybe, you know, that they're punching above their weight class right now. So, it, it, you know, if you ask me, uh, I, I like what Mutation has been doing. Uh, their one uh, loss was a forfeit loss. I believe it was actually a victory when you look at the, the scoreboard and the actual number of points that they put up on the board uh, was actually a victory. So this is a team that should be sitting at 3-0. and uh, I I happen to you know catch no fly zone, uh, so I so by the way I think mutation is one of those teams that uh, can rise above the rest, be a true contender. Uh, I saw no fly zone yesterday. Uh, Adam Weechi's gonna you know struggle at the quarterback position. It's it's a very difficult position to play. Uh, it's it's really not obvious. The first time you're a quarterback, all you're seeing is people running and it looks like, you know, Japan's uh, crossing the street in Japan. You know, you just see a bunch of people running around and you, you've forgotten the routes. And so or I, that's what I saw early on from him in that game, you know, trying to force it too deep, uh, you know, throwing three, four interceptions uh, in, in his game on Wednesday night in Laval. And only later on, during the game and the lot the final two drives was he finally just checking it down three yard out three yard slant uh sideline hooks this is the type of game that leads to success it's not complicated do you know for all division six quarterbacks out there do not complicate the plays let your receivers do the damage you do not need you know every pass every second pass to be 40 yard bombs let your get the get the your job is to get the ball into your receiver's hands. If it's a hook at one, that is not a bad play. Let them, you know, catch the ball at one yard, get three to four more yards. You're looking at, you know, you're setting yourself up for a second and five, second and six scenario. So that if you do it again, you're now looking at third and two, third and three. Very, very and much easier to succeed and convert a third and two a fourth and two then a third and 10 and maybe you got sacked so maybe it's a third and 15 fourth and 12 type of scenario so definitely you know if we're looking at you know after now i'm, I'm kind of shifting to uh advice for division six quarterbacks uh get the ball uh, release the ball quickly ignore the rusher so i'm saying a, a ton of things right now so number one ignore the rusher as a Division Six quarterback, ignore the rusher. Number two, release the ball quickly. Get the ball in your receiver's hands. Let them do the damage. Not every pass has to be, you know, a post downfield 30 yards, a go 40 yards. Get the ball in your receiver's hands. Let them do the damage. Uh, keep the play calling simple. Do not think elaborate plays, you know, uh, run a 
in, out, uh, up, and and you, you know, 12 out, and then you, uh, you know, seven ins. Just try and keep your playbook simple. Don't have 40 plays. You're, you're never going to use 40 plays in the game. Stick to five or six plays, and I'm, you know, a lot of Division Six people listening won't believe it, but yes, five or six plays. You can run the same play over and over and over again until a defense stops it. Run all hooks three plays in a row and wait for the defense to adjust to it. If you see that three guys are 12 to 15 yards downfield, just run all hooks Keep it simple. Do not overcomplicate things. So just a few tips for uh, Division Six quarterbacks. So going back, you know, circling it back to our question with the two and one team. So I think mutations up there. I don't quite see no fly zone uh, there, you know, rising above the rest to be a true contender. I think they can see improvements as they go along and as Adam Weechi gets more reps as the quarterback. But the defense, I do like. I do like very much with no fly zone, forcing about three or four turnovers themselves. Once the offense picks up, this is a, you know, above average team that can do some damage if they continue to grow as the season goes along. Uh, I definitely think cheat squad is I'll lump them in with mutation as a team that's likely to rise and be above the rest. Uh, That's a team that has a lot of skill, a lot of raw skill, a lot of football skill. Uh, And when you have William Gillespie, uh, who has that dual threat to both throw it deep, accurately and run uh that's a dangerous team with a with a solid defense um i think though for a couple teams that are maybe punching above their weight class right now uh maybe you know the royals sitting at two and one i did like what i saw you know in weeks in games one and two of their season having score kept i believe all three of their games so far i liked what i saw but you know, I'm not convinced that against the better and upper echelon teams in Division Six that they're going to see the same success that they had in uh, games one and two. So it's it's a comment that even Eric Pelusiak kind of kind of alluded to on the sidelines. There, he's saying, mm, you know, this 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 cheat squad team that we're facing, man, these guys are fast. I barely have time to you know release the ball. It's it's. A different thing when you're playing, you know, the bottom seeded teams in Division Six versus a good Division Six team. It's very different. So, you know, it's better for him to have gotten that game against Cheat Squad during the regular season so that he can take, you know, take home a few pointers and and exactly that, right? He 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 noticed that the rusher was on him immediately as soon as he was touching the ball. Okay, well, go through your your first read and your second read quicker, right? Release that ball. Get the ball in your receiver's hands, like I was saying before. Um, so I don't think they're uh, they're a cut above. Uh, they'll be okay. Uh, and, you know, like, like with a lot of these teams, as they gain experience, they'll be okay. But I don't see them being a full, full contender just yet. Um, and then, you know what? That's uh, We're going to leave it at that uh, for Division 6. I'm going to, you know, I would have had Brent Bodkin on. Uh, the timing just didn't work between his schedule and ours. Um, but what I will do 
is uh, go through the games of the week and go through my game picks uh, for week four in the division. So we start off with uh, DG Shooters playing against what to do in Step Bros. I'll go with the Step Bros here. DG Shooters not getting their first win just yet. Uh, give me the Step Bros. Show me them TDs against uh, the Texas Chooches. Uh, I'm going to go show me them TDs. A lot more experience. They get the victory. Mortadels against Super Turbo Navet. Uh, I like the uh, the Turbo Navet in this one. Um, I saw the Mortadels across the street, so to speak, across fields. Uh, that's a new team. Raw will get better as they go along, but Super uh, Turbo Navet definitely have the advantage there. Give me them. You got Shamidi Shodes playing Cheat Squad. This one should be a good, uh, you know, a CC playing CS. Uh, I'll, I'll take CS, the Cheat Squad, on this one. You got the McGill Swim Team playing Nard Dogs. I will go with the McGill Swim Team swimming their way to uh, victory here in Week 4. You got the Royals playing against Free Agent Squad. I really like what I've seen out of Free Agent Squad. Give me the FAS coming victorious over Royals. You got Cavaliers Rohan against Flag Dealers. That's an interesting one. Going to be a tight contest. Uh, I'm going to go Flag Dealers with this one. Uh, in a, in a one-possession victory for uh, FD. You got All Ball playing Le Flag Daddies. Flag Daddies making perhaps a quarterback switch. They made a, a, a quarterback a switch mid-game. Are they going to be making a quarterback switch for the rest of the season? I'm not sure, but I will take Flag Daddies in this one. You got Queens playing against the Demons. I like what I've seen out of the Demons uh, out of the gate this far, so far this season. They have uh, a full year of more experience, maybe even two years over Queens. Give me the experience uh, of the Demons in this one. You got Skull against Salts and Pepe. Should be a very fascinating game, this one. Uh, give me Skull to uh, come out victorious over the Salts and the Peppa. You got Meat Fiddlers playing against Mutation. Pink versus Red. Uh, I'll go Red on this one for Mutation. Let's go. We got No Fly Zone against Pigeons. Uh, I'm going to go with Pigeons on this one. I did like what I saw out of the defense from No Fly Zone. Uh, give me Pigeons. I'll even give you a score. I'll give you 20 to 18 for the Pigeons. Uh, Texas Wales face off against the Winded Warriors. Give me the, the Wales in this one. And then wrapping up Division 6 for Week 4, you got Towers FT against Le Speak Easy. I'm going to go with the Speak Easy on this one. It's a methodical offense, just enough defense to get the victories. Uh, so give me Speak Easy. I'll go with the score prediction as well. I'll go 21 to 18 as well. So 21 to 18, Speak Easy over Towers FT. All right, that does it for your content for week three, episode two, Calling the Audible. Uh, I'm Iggy Magnets. I want to thank our uh, contributors and our guests this week. We had Zach Alberts-Gill talking co-ed three. Thank you to Lori Willette. 
thanks to uh, Raf Morelli tried getting on with us uh, had some audio uh, technical difficulties there uh, but I do want to thank uh, Raf Morelli for his attempt uh, we then had Dan Lazara of course the always energetic high octane uh, analysis from Dan Lazara for Division 1 and again just because our timing didn't work out I do want to thank Brent Bodkin uh, for being available uh, do look out uh, for Brent Bodkin's next uh, Next article coming out in the coming days. So uh, your content for uh, all things FPF. And like Loria alluded to, it's coming left, right, and center uh, with articles, calling the audible here and the Instagram content. So uh, definitely check us out there. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, tune in next week uh, show with Mo Khan and I doing a double here a tuesday show with both of us together as i as i mentioned during one of the segments here uh, i'll be heading out to florida uh living out the palm trees dream uh playing nfl flag tournament there so mo con iggy magnets back together uh for the remote show uh i want to thank everyone for watching listening uh subscribing and uh we'll see you on the field in week number four